0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. Glad to see everybody here today. It's good to uh, share this time together with, what, with uh, brothers and sisters in Christ as we share time of worship. and we welcome everyone. We welcome our guests, especially today. You're very important to us. We are glad that you are here, and we do truly hope that you feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask, if you wouldn't mind, to take those and to fill them out so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. If you could do that, we would certainly appreciate it. And I'd like to call to your attention a few announcements that we have. First of all, uh, we are going to be doing a new church directory soon. We're working on that, trying to get everything together. And we are setting up uh, appointments for next week, next Wednesday and Thursday, right? which is next Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> no, no, no. The next one. <laughs> the, week after. the week after. Okay. The 17th and 18th. <laughs> which is next Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs>
1: That's what I said.
0: <laughs> okay, so we're set anyway. We're setting up appointments. You can come this Wednesday and it's not this Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> next Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> anyway, we're setting up appointments, uh, uh, and, and please see Mary uh, for, uh, for appointments to uh, take your photo and be included in our, uh, our directory that we'll be having to come up. And Mary, I believe you have some announce all, announcements also or something to say about Christian outreach. So if you would do that, I would appreciate it.
2: And I will be at that table out there to make more appointments. The sooner the better, you're going to lose those good times. So I just wanted to say, um, once again, from Christian Community Outreach, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, We received the $100 check for the change hunger. And I know toilet paper is a, a, a bigger item than we usually ask for. But I just had spoke at, I can't even remember where I spoke, but you guys, listen to this. This is the first three months of the year, and this is just the way things are going. Um, in 2015, in the first three months of the year, and remember, if, I know I've said this before, Christian Community Outreach, we only see clients eight hours a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, from 9 to 11. In 2015, we had 1,198 clients in the first three months of the year. In 2016, we had 1,295 clients in the first three months of the year. 2017, in the first three months of the year, we've had 1,318 clients walk in the door. I've said it many times before. we're seeing more and more people ask for help, and I just want to thank you for everything Christian or excuse me, Community Baptist Church does for us. And also, I'm going to, and I know I shouldn't be political here, but our new commissioner, Brad Staten, who just happens to be at our church,
1: <laughs>
2: he just happened to get me uh, some paperwork for the city of Henderson to give money back. And for the first time in the six years I've been there, the city of Henderson gave us $4,000 this year. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Brad. Appreciate that. Uh, and, and we are so glad to be partners with Henderson Christian Outreach, and, and we're glad to do our part to uh, to share in the ministry of this community. And we're grateful for the ministry that you have, Mary, at Henderson Christian Outreach. A few other announcements I want to call to your attention. There's a sign-up sheet on the table for our Extreme Build, um, and that will be June the 11th through the 17th. We'll be going to McCreary County, uh, Kentucky, which is one of the poorest counties in the country, not just Kentucky, one of the poorest t- counties in the, con- in the country, and we will be building a house there in one week. And I got a phone call this week. They are screaming for volunteers, folks. They need people to sign up. So if you can go any time during that week, uh, please sign up on the sheet. Uh, please indicate the days that you can go. You can go all week if you want. Uh, You can go the first part of the week, the last part of the week, the middle of the week, however you want to do it. uh, Your help would be appreciated and beneficial as we build a house uh, for someone to help them to break out of the cycle of of poverty that they're in. Next Sunday, not this Sunday, (laughs) not today, (laughs) but next week uh, on Sunday, it's Mother's Day and As we always do here at Community Baptist Church, we celebrate. We think that's a day to celebrate. And so we're going to be having breakfast for all of the ladies in the church. So come at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning as we uh, celebrate that day together, as we celebrate the ladies of this church, and you will be our guest. And I have been informed that, yes, men, we can eat too. Um, And one other announcement, Uh, we are reviving our Joy Lunch group. And um, we, the first meeting of that will be on May the 22nd at 12 noon. This is for all of, all adults who would like to come and just enjoy a time of fellowship and fun. We will be having a potluck on June, June, on May the 22nd at 12 o'clock. And so we hope that you can put that on your calendar and be here to enjoy that time together. Today, I, we, we kind of have a theme today. We are focusing on uh, evangelism. And the word evangel literally means good news or a good message. So let me invite you now to stand up and let's share a good word with our brothers and sisters in Christ as uh, as we share the love of Christ with one another. I still love- Let us pray together. Oh, gracious God of all people, every day is a new day with a new chance to live our lives with a stronger faith, a more committed and disciplined life. It is an opportunity for us to strengthen ourselves for the work that you have laid before us. And we come to this place not because we want to come to church, but because we are the church when we are gathered together. We have designated this building as our meeting place, but it only becomes the church when we are here in community, prepared for worship and ready to serve. We bring all of ourselves, those parts of us that are fully alive and ready to to show those around us, as well as those parts that are hidden and broken. And we recognize that we carry all of these things in our hearts and we lift them up to you. We bring to you those things that we partake of in joy, as well as those things that we mourn over. And we put them in your hands, holy God. We understand that this journey of living and sharing the gospel is not an easy one. Our world preaches that we should cut corners for the sake of expediency or security or safety. But when we cut corners, we do not honor or love your people. And we do not treat our neighbors like neighbors. This life of evangelism is a life dedicated to you, and that has consequences on how we should live our lives. And so as we seek to embody this life of sharing your good news, we pray that you would help us to recognize that it all begins with a life that's rooted in you. Let us truly discern what that means for us. And it's our prayer that we should become like Jesus, the compassionate one, the one who loves us and the one who loves our neighbors, even the ones that we may not love and the one who sends us out to love like him. Amen.
3: a minute to get situated here. I want to
0: invite anybody that knows this song, when you get to the chorus, if you want to sing along,
3: help yourself.
4: the sunshine outside today Mm -hmm. dr hobbs was putting out some big words this morning did you hear the word evangelism you didn't hear that do you know what the word evangelism means no that's a really big word isn't it well for you guys to put it real simple it's like you know because your parents bring you to church here that that god loves you right and Jesus is always there for you. But there's a lot of people out there that don't know that. So Jesus asked us after he died if we would share the story of God's love with other people. That's not too hard, is it? Here's the other big word that he has for today that's kind of hard is compassionate. You know what that means? It means when you see somebody and you think about what they're doing and you want to help them with it. But God wants us to evangelize. He wants us to share his word, but not just with the people here that you like. There's people out there that are hurting, and he wants you to share it with them. Sometimes they don't look like somebody you want to talk to. Like, maybe there's somebody in school that everybody kind of stays away from. But maybe they need you to tell them about how much Jesus loves them. And they need for you to care about them, too. So do you think you can share the love of Jesus with other people? And be kind even to people that, eh, you're not sure you want to talk to them. But that may be the person that needs you the most. Okay. Let's say a little prayer, and then you will be ready to go to your children's church. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these children that you gave for us to care for. Uh, We ask that as adults, we can learn this lesson, too, to share with others and be compassionate to those that are not necessarily the people we want to deal with. We thank you for your loving kindness and your support, and be with these children as they go upstairs. Thank you. Amen. All right.
2: Let us stand for the doxology.
0: Most wonderful and gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with humble praise and gratitude for all the many blessings we have in this life. And we ask now that we will humbly give of what we have to bless your kingdom, not here in this church, but through this church that we can do a whole lot more by giving of our lives your tithes and our offerings this morning we do pray Amen. Amen. Amen
3: Good morning. morning. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 9 and 10, if you'd like to follow along. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Then from chapter 10, Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions, Go nowhere among the Gentiles. And enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news the kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. You received without payment, now give without payment. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Did you get goosebumps too? <laughs> wow! Thank you, choir. You're welcome.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Carl Boyle was driving home one day when he saw a group of children selling Kool-Aid on the side of the street, on their street corner there, and they had had posted the typical hand scrawled sign above their stand: Kool-Aid. 25 cents and Carl was intrigued by this and so he pulled over to the curb and 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 a young man approached him and asked if he wanted grape or strawberry and so Carl placed his order handed the boy a dollar and after a lot of deliberation the children determined that he had some change coming back to him and so they rifled through the cigar box until they finally came up with the correct amount of change. And the boy returned to the car with the change and handed the change to Carl. And the boy, um, and and, and then he just stood there beside the the car. And he asked Carl if he was finished with the Kool-Aid yet. And Carl said, just about. Why? And the boy said, well, that's the only cup we have and and we need it to stay in business. I guess it's kind of hard to operate a Kool-Aid stand if you only have one cup, isn't it? But I want to suggest to you this morning that that we sometimes make that same mistake in, in the church. And this morning we are, we're focusing our attention on the evangelistic task of the church. And for a lot of people, the, that word evangelism brings to mind a few of the prominent cups, so to speak, from the past. These kinds of cups may include perhaps a a televangelist with his slick hair or perhaps big hair, if she's of a female persuasion, bringing in the the big bucks via the electronic media. Or or if you're old enough, you may remember such things as uh, the old tent revivals on the edge of of the town where sinners were invited to walk that sawdust trail and offer their lives to Jesus. And then there's the, the Billy Graham crusades that most of us are familiar with, or the, the preacher on the street corner, or, or person handing out tracts at the, at the airport. And some churches evangelism has meant a, a once a year special event or a particular strategy for incorporating newcomers into their church. But I want to suggest that by limiting our vision of evangelism, to some of these rapidly disappearing cups, we might be stifling the work of Jesus in the world, and we might also be create or, or cheating ourselves out of out of one of the most rewarding endeavors that Christ offers to us. The one commandment that Jesus gave to His church, besides love one another was the commandment to go out and make disciples of all people. And our failure to take that commandment seriously has resulted in a church that is no longer reaching people with the good news of Jesus. Not the way it should be. And even worse than that is the fact that, that helping a friend or a neighbor find, a new, life, find new life in Christ It gives our own lives such a huge spiritual lift. And so many people are missing out on that. There are few things that we can do in our lives that will make us feel any better than having someone say to us, my life is so much better because of you. And that's what happens when you invite someone to be a part of the family of Christ. So I'd like for us to focus for a few moments on on Christ's call for us to be evangelists. Those who introduce their family and their friends and, and perhaps even strangers to Jesus. And I think it's important that we begin our thoughts by anchoring our concern for evangelism in Christ's compassion for the world. Indeed, It is this compassion of Christ that is really the only reason that he sends us out to make disciples in the first place. That's why we do that. That's why we evangelize. That's why we tell the good news. We read in Matthew 9 verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Can you think of any better description of so many people today than this? Harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. I think it's a striking simile. Can't you just see that flock of sheep just kind of milling around and frightened and confused? They're stumbling blindly in one direction and then another. They're bumping into one another because they they don't know which way to go. They don't have a leader. And they're just like so many of us. There's a story by Guy de Maupassant. My French is terrible, sorry. But the, the name of the story is The Necklace. And it's a tale about a, a young woman who, uh, her name is Matilda, and she wants to be rich. She, she wishes that she were rich. She wishes that she was accepted in, a higher, in higher social circles than she was. But her husband was just an ordinary French citizen without the resources to fulfill her dreams of upward mobility and coming up to, into the upper class. But finally, this woman gets the chance that she was looking for to advance her dreams when her husband gets an invitation to an elegant ball. And she spends a huge amount of money to purchase a beautiful dress, and she also borrows a beautiful diamond necklace from her friend Madame Jean Fortier Forestier, whatever. The stunning necklace it was beautiful. It drew all kinds of compliments from the aristocratic guests at the ball. However, the worst possible thing happened. She lost the necklace. She lost the necklace. What was she to do? What could she do? It was so expensive, these beautiful diamonds. And so she was panic-stricken. And so she and her husband borrowed 36,000 francs to buy a new necklace so that her friend would not find out what she had done. But in order to pay back that vast amount of money that they had borrowed, they were forced to go to to such extreme measures as selling their house, working two jobs, even moving into the slums. And then after ten years of intense sacrifice, the debt was finally paid. Well, one day after the debt was paid, Matilda ran into Madame Forestier and the friend that, that was the friend from from whom she had borrowed this necklace and and and, and Madame Forestier was shocked at how how much Matilda had aged in that time and so Matilda confesses what had happened that she had lost her necklace and and what had what they had been through because of losing that necklace and borrowing the money and trying to pay it all back, and quite shaken, her friend revealed to Matilda. That the diamonds which she had replaced at such a great cost had been fake. And that the necklace that she had lost only cost about 500 francs. A fraction of the cost of the replacement necklace. And so all of those sacrifices were in vain. I tell that story because I think it's a parable of, a, of a contempor- our contemporary life. People are frantically slaving away for values that turn out to be fake. People are chasing after dreams that only end up in heartache. People are worshiping idols that can never bring them real happiness. Happiness. We are told that that Jesus has compassion on these crowds of shepherdless sheep. And so the first thing that we need to see today is that when we try to, to reach out to people in the name of Jesus, it's not because we want to build up the roles of our church. It's because we believe that Christ can help them put their lives back together. It's because we believe that Christ can help them with their, with their family lives and, and help to bring them joy and peace and hope and salvation. That's why we do it. And so you see, salv- uh, uh, evangelism, it's always anchored in compassion, compassion. It hurts Jesus to see so many people making a mess out of their lives. And he wants them to know, that there's a better way. Now, many people today feel unloved and undervalued. They feel estranged from other people and from God. For example, you you may be aware that that more people today are living alone than they ever have before. And for some people, that's a choice. That's a that's a choice that they make. But for many people, it's because of a of a divorce in their, in, their, in their marriage or the death of a spouse or for some other reason. And loneliness is a major problem in our world today. A lot of young people feel that they just don't fit in. And we are made conscious of, of that every time there is a mass shooting at a high school or a college or a movie theater or a church And it's also reflected in the number of people who are becoming dependent upon alcohol and drugs. And and many people are, many young people are taking their own lives. My friends, people are hurting out there. And the question is does anybody care? Well, Jesus cares. Jesus cares. Many of you may remember that beautiful scene in the movie, Dr. Zhivago. The comrade general is talking with Tanya, who, unbeknownst to her, is is Zhivago's daughter. And and he's asking her about a traumatic experience that she had when she was a child, a time when she became separated from her adoptive father, a lawyer named uh, Komarov. And he asked her, how did you come to be lost? And she replied, Well, I was just lost. And then he asked again, no, how did you come to be lost? And Tanya doesn't want to say. So she simply says, I was just lost. My father and I were running through the city and it was on fire. The revolution had come and we were trying to escape and I was lost. And so the comrade general asked more emphatically, how did you come to be lost? She didn't want to say. Finally, she did say, she said, we were running through the city and my father let go of my hand. And I was lost. And then she said again, he let go. That's what she didn't want to say. The comrade general said, that's what I've been trying to tell you, Tanya. Komarov is not your real father. Javago is your real father. And I can promise you that if this man had been there, your real father, he would never have let your hand go. And that's the difference between a real father and a false father, isn't it? A real father would never let go of his daughter's hand. And that's also the difference between a real God and a, and a false God. So many people link themselves to false gods power, wealth, physical appearance, the approval of our peers. And sooner or later, these false gods, they betray us. They can only take us so far and, and no further. And then they too will let go of our hands. There's only one God that's sufficient in every circumstance of our life, and that is the eternal God who made God's self Known to us through Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus had compassion on the crowds. He understood the real tragedy of a life of empty values. A life with no direction. A life linked with false gods. And he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And this brings us to why evangelism is so important. Notice what our lesson says. Matthew writes that he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he tells us that Jesus turned to his disciples and said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And the Lord of the harvest therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into the field. He's talking about the work of evangelism here. He's talking about reaching out to people and bringing them into his family. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the field. My friends, that's who we are called to be. We're workers in the field. That's who we are. Can you see that the, the only motivation for what we call evangelism is Christ's compassion for the world? We're not a business enterprise here. And our motivation for what we do is not the, a more impressive bottom line. And our goal is not to enhance our institutional pride. Our aim is not to be the biggest and the best. There are people outside of these walls of this church who are confused and angry and hurting and dying and alone. And there are families that are out there that are disintegrating. And, and there are young minds that are being destroyed by drugs and There are old folks who are feeling forgotten and and the need is almost overwhelming. There's so much out there. The harvest is plentiful. But the question is, where are the workers? Where are those people who are committed to being the presence of Christ serving a world in need? See it right back there? On that sign? I'm glad you got it back up, by the way. Thank you. That's our mission statement at Community Baptist Church. Being the presence of Christ. Serving a world in need. And I am so proud of you. Because you take that, that statement seriously. You really do. I see it every time you serve a meal at the Salvation Army. I see it every time you visit someone who is sick or bereaved. I see it when we provide meals for those families who have lost loved ones. I see it every time we bring toilet paper or toothpaste or, or a can of beans for the Christian outreach. I see it every time we, you put a dollar in our hunger jar over there. I see it every time we drive a nail or turn a screw to build a house for someone who is stuck in that cycle of poverty. I see it when you write a card or make a a call or a visit to someone who's lonely. I see it in the the many ways in which you, you you demonstrate your compassion. And by demonstrating your compassion... You're also demonstrating Christ's compassion. We are all about pointing our families and our friends to the one who can satisfy their needs in all circumstances of our life. Now, notice that I didn't say anything about buttonholing people on the street. And I'm not talking about an offensive kind of holier than thou sanctimonious salesmanship. What I'm talking about is compassion. Caring enough about people that you try to help them out of their confusion and their loneliness and their fear. And when you think about it that way, it's it's really pretty easy. Let me give you an example. Marion Harold Brenig moved to Chicago many years ago. And, and when they went there, they had no friends. They knew no one in the town. And, and as happens all, often when you move to a new place, they quickly, be, they quickly became lonely. They were lonely. They didn't have any friends there. And, and because of their loneliness, they became irritable and unhappy with each other as well. And, and while seeking help from the Bible... They saw these words of Jesus. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Well, somehow that passage of Scripture became a light for them, penetrating their darkness. And they realized that a lot of their unhappiness was because of their own self-centeredness. And they wondered if Jesus was choosing them for some kind of an unknown service. But they wondered, what kind of service could they perform in such a big city like Chicago and make a difference there? Well, the first person that they encountered after this discovery in the scriptures was a waitress who was serving them at a restaurant nearby, and she apologized for giving them slow service she said she was new to the city, and she was lonely, and she was miserable. And so they invited her to come and visit with them in their apartment after she got off of work, and she did. Then a neighbor who was a widower became the second person who they befriended, and soon about a dozen people were gathering every week for conversation and prayer, very simple, and out of these meetings grew a project called Adventures in Friendship, and soon scores of people were involved in visiting the lonely and shut-ins all throughout the area. And here was the byproduct of this ministry. Mary and Harold became so absorbed in the needs of others that they soon forgot about their own needs and their own troubles and their own loneliness because they weren't lonely anymore. And their lives became richer and fuller because of what they did for others. Now Mary and Harold, um, if you think about it, they, they probably would have never thought of what they were doing as evangelism. They were just being friends. And it didn't really fit the cup that they pictured when they thought of that word. They were just showing compassion to people in need. And folks, I want to tell you something. That's what the church of Jesus Christ looks like. Jesus had compassion on the crowds. Harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And there were so many of them, just like today. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, To send out workers into his field. Where are the workers? Where are the ones who care enough to become involved in the lives of others? Where are those who are willing to take their time to show love to young people and old folks and to the substance abuser and the victims of broken families and to the down and out and to the up and in. Where are the workers? That would be you and me. Amen. We are the workers of Christ, when we follow in the ways of Christ. This is the commandments that Jesus gave to us. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Go and make disciples. They are, they are linked. They are connected. And when we follow in those ways of Christ, when we follow the commandments of Christ... We are evangelists in the words that we speak and in the deeds that we do. So let us sing our closing hymn, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. says, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. So go. Go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.